Please pray with me now. Father, speak to us through your word this morning. May your son be glorified. May the power of your spirit be displayed. We pray these things in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. We live in a dangerous world. A world where our lives are threatened by criminals. A world where our lives could be threatened by terrorists and organizations. A world where our lives could be cut short at the hands of an illness or a serious disease. A world where our lives could be cut short by a distracted driver who is texting his or her friends. If we stop to think about all the dangers that we face in our world today, we might just decide we would be better off to stay at home and lock ourselves up in our house. But even then, we're reminded every so often by the weather that we're not even safe inside of the four walls of our own home. And for most of us, staying locked up at home is not an option anyway. We are forced out into the world because of our jobs and our daily obligations that we're required to commit ourselves to. And though we have dedicated men and women who serve in our armed forces and who serve in our police forces that do the very best that they can to protect us, they cannot guarantee our safety and protection. And though we have skilled and highly trained doctors who are able to prevent and cure us from diseases and illnesses that just 100 years ago would have been a death sentence, their medicine is not perfect. So what are we to do? Where are we to turn for protection and security? Is there anyone who can keep us safe on this journey as pilgrims through this world? Well, friends, if we look to the Bible, we see that the answer to that is a resounding yes. The Bible teaches us that there is someone who is able to protect us and to keep us. And better than that, the Bible teaches us that as God's children, we have a God who has promised to protect us and to keep us from all harm and all evil. So my aim this morning is for each of us to leave here with a confident assurance that the Lord is our keeper and protector. He is the protector and keeper of your life. He is the protector and keeper of your eternity. And since the only lasting source of truth that we have are the words that are revealed to us in the pages of Scripture, that is where we will turn this morning to get this assurance. So I ask you now to please turn with me to the 121st Psalm, Psalm 121, and I will read all eight verses. Psalm 121, verses 1 to 8. Follow along with me as I read. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber 
nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. And in your Bible at the top of this psalm, there's probably a superscription that reads a song of ascents or something very similar to that. And in the book of Psalms, there are 15 psalms that are labeled this way, Psalms 120 to 134, and they're grouped together. And they're also sometimes called pilgrim songs because they were songs that were sung by pilgrims making their pilgrimage to Jerusalem to worship. And because Jerusalem is elevated both physically and spiritually, whenever these pilgrims were making their way to Jerusalem, they said they were going up to Jerusalem. And so it is for that reason that these psalms are labeled songs of ascent or, or literally the songs of the goings up. Now, the primary reason for someone in the Old Testament to have made a pilgrimage to the holy city was to attend the regular festivals that occurred there each year. A healthy and faithful Israelite would have made this pilgrimage three times a year. And it would have been a joyous time of worship, a joyous time of feasting, and a joyous time of fellowship. These festivals were scheduled around the three yearly harvest. And so it would have also been a time for them to thank God for the crops that he had provided and also for them to pay their tithe on the crops that he had just provided in those harvests. And it was also a time where each family would make the required sacrifices that they were obligated to make each year. But it was a very joyous time. It was a a time of feasting and eating and fellowshipping with friends. But while this time, the time gathered together in Jerusalem, was a joyous occasion, that could not always be said for the journey there. Oftentimes, the journey was hard and treacherous and filled with potential for danger at the hands of criminals or because of the weather or because of attacks from wild animals or because of the dangerous terrain. And so many Israelites would have understandably been filled with fear and trepidation as they were contemplating making this journey. And because of this danger, it was common for them to travel in large groups. And and these large groups would help to protect them from things like criminals. Or if they fell, there would be someone there to help and pick you up and keep you going. But they could not necessarily guarantee them protection from all safety, weather, wild animals. And if you were forced to travel alone through this mountainous region surrounding Jerusalem, you were at a greater danger of slipping and falling or at a greater danger of being overtaken by thieves with no one there to help you or protect you. And so Psalm 121 is one of the songs that was sung to give confidence and assurance to the wary pilgrim who is contemplating his journey into this dangerous territory. And while the words of this psalm were originally meant to encourage an individual who was contemplating this journey, eventually it was composed into a song that would be sung by an entire group making this trip uh, to Jerusalem. And they would sing it joyously and with confidence that the Lord would be their protector. Psalm 121 
is a song of confidence. Confidence that the Lord would protect these pilgrims and keep them from harm. So now let's look again at verses 1 and 2. And let's join the pilgrim as he contemplates this journey to Jerusalem. Follow along with me in your Bibles as I read from verses 1 and 2 again. They read, I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. So the first thing we see in verse 1 is that the psalmist is either literally or in his mind's eye looking at the hills and mountains in front of him in his path as he is planning to head to the holy city. And as he does so, he considers the potential danger that he will face in these mountains. And he asks, where will my help come from as I make this dangerous journey? And in the second verse, he answers his own question. He rightly says, my help comes from the Lord. The same Lord who made the heaven and earth, he will be my helper. In other words, yes, I am going on a dangerous journey, but the one who is powerful enough to create those mountains that I am staring at in fear is the one who will guide me and protect me and keep me as I travel through those mountains. There is no other help that I need other than my creator, the same creator who created these mountains and who created the heaven and the earth. And though not exactly the same, I had a role in creating my daughter, Mary Tanner. And though I'm not her heavenly father who is able to protect her and keep her from all harm and all danger, I am probably the next best thing that she has to that. And while her mother probably loves her in a way that is deeper than I do, I probably have a stronger instinct to provide protection for her. And thankfully, we do live in a country where the greatest dangers that she normally faces on a regular basis are things like falling down and skinning her knee or or during the summer jumping off the diving board. But when she finds herself in a situation like this, she instinctively looks to her dad for assurance that everything is going to be okay. She wants me to sit at the end of the diving board and she wants me to tread water for 15 minutes while she contemplates whether she's willing to take the risk. Not concerned about me drowning. But it's this type of inner struggle and this childlike faith that gives us some idea of what the pilgrim was facing here. There's danger, yes. He knew that. But his instinctive response is to look to his heavenly Father who promised to protect and keep him in the same way that our children look to their earthly fathers to protect and keep them from harm. And so what I hope to demonstrate this morning is that we should let the pilgrim's statement of confidence and statement of faith be our statement of faith. As we face our own dangerous world and we face our own threats in this lifetime that are out of our control, let this psalm teach you this morning when you are gazing at danger in front of you to say with the psalmist, my help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. And the pilgrim is right to look to the Lord as his protector and as his helper. Because as we see in this psalm, the Lord is the keeper or protector 
of his people. Six times in verses 3 to 8, the same Hebrew word is used. Sometimes it's translated keeps or keeper and, and protects or protector or watches. And all of those are fine. They work good. Any of these words work good because the Lord is indeed the protector and the keeper and the watcher of his people. And without a doubt, this idea of protecting and keeping is the main point in this psalm. It's a psalm that describes the Lord in three ways. First, as a careful keeper. Second, as a constant keeper. And third, as a continual keeper. A careful keeper, a constant keeper, and a continual keeper. And so if we look now at verses 3 and 4 again, we will see that the Lord is a careful keeper. Follow along with me as I read verses 3 and 4. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber or sleep. What we begin to see in verses 3 and 4 are words of encouragement offered to this pilgrim about to depart on his journey to Jerusalem. And the encouragement offered to him in these two verses are that the Lord is a careful keeper. He is careful because he will watch every step that the pilgrim takes, making sure that his foot does not slip on the rough and rocky and dangerous terrain. As I said earlier, on a journey like this, slipping and falling, if you're alone, if you injured yourself, could, could mean certain death. There would be no one there to help you. So this then would have been a legitimate concern for anyone contemplating making a journey like this. And obviously then the thought of having someone who says they will not let, again, they will not let your foot stumble would have been a very comforting thought. And that is exactly what is promised to the pilgrim here in verse 3. The promise here is that the Lord will keep the pilgrim from slipping and hurting himself on this journey. And so the picture here is not just of a passive God, like we have painted for us so often today. But the picture here is of an active God. A God who is not sitting back and only reacts when necessary to help his children. But a God who is active and who is present, constantly working to protect us. A God who is causing you not to stumble. And yes, I am happy to have a God who picks me up when I fall down. But I am much happier with a God who sees to it that I do not fall down. And that is the picture of the God we have in this psalm. And unlike human watchmen, the Lord does not tire or lose his attention while he is watching over us. While he is keeping his children from harm, he does not get distracted. He is not like the disciples who Jesus asked to stay up and watch with him through the night, only to return to find them asleep three times. He's not like human watchmen. He's not like Cain who said, I am not my brother's keeper. He is our keeper. No, the one who has the power to create the heaven and the earth is the one who is promising to keep and protect us carefully and attentively as we make our own journeys through this life. He watches carefully and attentively as the pilgrim makes his way across this rocky and dangerous path. And not only does he watch, but he keeps 
the pilgrim's feet from slipping. Now, any of you who have children who have cared for young children know that it is very common for them to slip and fall. And as parents or caretakers of young children, one thing that we do to keep them from falling when they're learning to walk or when they're learning to ride bikes is we look for obstacles that are in their way, obstacles that they may not even recognize or realize is there. And then we will take the effort to remove those obstacles and hazards to keep them from tripping up our children. But one thing is certain, no matter how hard I try as an earthly father to protect my daughter, I cannot prevent all of her accidents. Sometimes I'm going to let my guard down and get distracted. Sometimes I'm going to snooze on the job and she's going to get hurt. Unlike God, I cannot be everywhere at once. And so I cannot protect my daughter from all the dangers in her life. I can aim to be as careful and attentive as a father, an earthly father, can possibly be. But that still will not be enough to protect my daughter from every danger. But thankfully, our heavenly father is much better than even the most careful and attentive earthly father. He is alert to every possible hazard that we will encounter in this life. And while sometimes we are surprised at the ways that our children find to hurt themselves, God is never surprised. He is not taken off guard by the things that come up in our paths. He is a careful keeper of his children. But not only is he a careful keeper, we see in verses 5 and 6 that he is also a constant keeper. A constant keeper. Look with me again as I read verses 5 and 6. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. In these verses, the pilgrim is reminded that not only is the Lord the keeper of Israel, but he is told the Lord is your keeper. The one who is able to keep and protect the entire nation of Israel is also looking over and protecting this one individual. The maker of heaven and earth, the keeper of Israel, is also the keeper of this lone pilgrim. And he has this same power today to watch over all his children simultaneously as they are on their own pilgrimages through this life. God watches carefully and attentively today as we navigate through all the treacherous paths that we, that we must walk down. But for an infinite, all-powerful God, keeping tabs on all of his children does not tire him or stretch him or wear him out one bit. It is no more effort for an infinite God to watch one person than it is for, for him to watch seven billion people on this planet. And that should amaze us. And it should also amaze us that we have a God who is powerful enough to do that and yet at the same time cares about each of us enough to watch over us that carefully and attentively. He watches over you constantly and around the clock. In verses 5 and 6, we see that the Lord promises to provide protection from the pilgrim against the daytime heat. Anyone making a journey like this in the Middle East was uh, subject to dehydration or even heat stroke. 
Many of the routes to Jerusalem would have exposed these pilgrims to dangerous, scorching heat from the sun. But here the pilgrim is told that the Lord will be a shelter to him or that the Lord will be a shade to him. In other words, the Lord will protect the pilgrim from the dangers of exposure to the elements as he makes his way to this holy city. And as we see in verse 6, this is not only true during the day, but this is also true during the night. Not only will the sun not let the sun injure the pilgrim, but the second part of, part of verse 6 says something that seems a little odd to us, but he will not let the moon injure him as well. Now, how can the rays of the moon hurt anyone? Well, first of all, let's remember that the Psalms are poetry, and they make use of figures of speech. And here, the, when the pilgrim is told, the sun shall not strike you by day or the moon by night, the psalmist is speaking both literally and physically, figuratively, I'm sorry. In other words, not only does the, the pilgrim mean that the not only does the psalmist mean that the pilgrim will not be hurt by the sun, he also means that the pilgrim will not be hurt by the things that normally occur during the daylight hours. So he's not only protecting him against the sun, but he's protecting the pilgrim against the dangers of the day. And when he says that he will not be struck by the moon, he is saying something in the very same way, that he will not let the pilgrim be harmed by things that would normally occur at night. You can think, think in your mind that it would be much more likely that the pilgrim would be overtaken by criminals or wild animals at night than he would during the day. But also, it was commonly believed in the ancient world that overexposure to the moon was dangerous to one's health. And this belief persisted at least long enough to affect our English language with words like moonstruck and lunacy which is clearly related to the word lunar. Now, that seems odd to us today, but it was a serious concern in the ancient times. And the psalmist, the psalmist is telling the pilgrim here, you will be protected on your journey. The main point to all this is that the Lord is a constant keeper. Around the clock, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, the Lord will watch over this pilgrim on his journey. Through the day and through the night, around the clock is the point of verses 5 and 6. He takes no breaks. He needs no vacations. The Lord's protection is constant. So in verses 3 and 4, we saw that the Lord is a careful keeper who is not distracted from guarding us and keeping us. And in verses 5 and 6, we saw that the Lord is a constant keeper who guards and protects us around the clock. And in the final two verses of this psalm, we see that the Lord is a continual keeper who promises to protect us from this time forth and forevermore. Let me read verses 7 and 8 to us again. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. In these final two verses, we can see that the focus begins to shift away from the immediate problems facing the pilgrim on this journey to the journey that he takes in the entirety of his life. 
Not only will the Lord protect the pilgrim in his current journey, but the Lord will protect the pilgrim on the remainder of the journey throughout his life. In other words, the Lord is a continual keeper who will watch over the pilgrim for the remainder of his days. He can be confident that the Lord will keep him from all evil and harm through the rest of his life. So the successful journey to Jerusalem that has been promised to this pilgrim has now become a picture of his whole life. A life within the second half of verse 7, the Lord is promising to protect and keep. The pilgrim can have confidence that whatever roads he may travel in this life, no matter how dangerous they may be, the Lord will protect him and keep him from all evil and all harm. Now, I would be naive if I stood up here this morning after saying that and pretended like there weren't some of you out there who were asking yourselves, well, why then do so many bad things happen to us as Christians? If the Lord promises to protect us from all evil and harm, why do Christians get sick and die? Why do Christians have car accidents and die? Why do we do the best that we can to raise our children only to have them sometimes grow up only to hurt us? How can you say the Lord will protect us from all evil when all these bad things happen to us as Christians? And this is where the rubber meets the road, isn't it? And this is why we have to interpret Scripture with Scripture. Because when we look at other passages, we see that when the Bible talks about protecting us from all evil and all harm, it is not necessarily referring to a life of comfort and ease, free from all pain and suffering. That's not what we're promised at all. As an example, look with me at Luke 21. Turn with me to Luke 21 and look at verses 16 to 18 where Jesus is talking to his disciples about what to expect in the last days. Luke 21, 16 to 18. It says, Jesus says, You will be delivered up even by parents and by brothers and relatives and friends and some of you they will put to death. You will be hated by all for my name's sake, but not a hair of your head will perish. Some of you they will put to death, but not a hair of your head will perish. Now that seems a little odd to us at first. At the end of verse 16, Jesus says that for the sake of the gospel, some of his followers will be put to death. But at the same time, in verse 18, he promises them, but not a head of your hair, a hair of your head will perish. How are we to make sense of that? Well, what Jesus is promising here is not absolute protection from evil and harm in this world, in this lifetime. What he is promising is absolute protection from any lasting spiritual harm that we could encounter. Jesus never promised us absolute safety from physical harm in this world. Let's remember that all but one of his disciples died for their faith, was put to death for their faith. 
As one commentator wrote regarding verse 7 in Psalm 121, he said, To be kept from evil does not imply a cushioned life, but a well-armed life. In other words, what we are promised in this psalm and elsewhere in the Bible is strength to withstand the onslaught of evil that is brought against us in this lifetime. What we are promised is that in the trials of life that God will uphold us with his righteous right hand as we sung earlier this morning. What we are promised is that no evil or harm will ultimately prevail over us. Brothers and sisters, this psalm is a picture or parable of our journey to that heavenly city, to the new Jerusalem of which the Bible speaks. And this has already been mentioned this morning, but there's a family in our community who understands this probably better than I ever will. Many of you know the story of Laura Black. She came and spoke at our church just a couple of years ago. Laura was about my age with three young children. While I do not know Laura personally, like many of you, I have been encouraged by her story of trust and faithfulness to the Lord in the midst of her long battle with cancer. On Friday, Laura posted on her Caring Bridge site that there would be no more chemo treatments and that hospice has been called in. And unselfishly, she asked for everyone to pray, not for her, but for her friends and for her family and especially for her children. And we heard this morning uh, that last night Laura passed away. But I'd like to read something she wrote in her Caring Bridge journal back on May 13th, which was Mother's Day. And I want you to notice her reference to the first verse in this psalm. She said, Emotionally, this is just a roller coaster. However, I lift up, up my eyes unto the hills and look for the Lord there, for there is my help. A miracle is a miracle. That it is what it was going to take to heal me before, and that is what it is going to take now. I pray that God will either heal me quickly or take me home quickly. I don't want to linger like this for a long time. However, if that is his will, then it is good and perfect, and I will do my best to honor him through this. I am not afraid of death at all. I know I will be made perfect in heaven. As you can see, she lived out this psalm, and her family has lived out this psalm in a more real way than most of us ever will. And she understands that ultimately the Lord did this morning, last night, bring her home safe and sound, and praise God for that. She did get a miracle this morning when she, or last night when she went home to the Lord. And if you've ever read that classic book by John Bunyan, Pilgrim's Progress, you know that is what his book is all about. It is the story of a man on a journey to the heavenly city. 
And on that journey, he encounters many difficulties and a lot of pain and suffering. But just as these verses, verses 7 and 8 in Psalm 121 promises, the Lord brings him home safe and sound to the heavenly city. And the same is true for us as pilgrims when we make our own progress towards the heavenly city. And so like the pilgrims in the Old Testament who wrote songs to encourage them on their journey, we write songs with words like, this world is not my home, I am only passing through. And we do this to remind us of these glorious truths. And then in the final verse, we have what is perhaps the most wonderful promise in this whole psalm. After reiterating that the Lord will keep us and protect us in all of our adventures and all of our endeavors in this world and all of our comings and all of our goings, we are promised that this will be true from this time forth and forevermore. Friends, the Lord is a continual keeper. For all eternity, he will keep and protect us. He will keep us now. He will keep us tomorrow. He promises to keep us forever. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? And with the apostle Paul, we can say, for I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Brothers and sisters, if Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, no one or nothing can snatch you from his hand. His hand who is continually working and promising and guiding and protecting our entire lives. Jesus said that all the Father gives to me, I will never cast out. Once you have come to Jesus, my friend, he will never cast you aside or turn his back on you. Instead, he will be actively working to keep you and protect you and to bring you home without a hair of your head perishing. Even if you are killed for your faith, Jesus promises to bring you home safe and sound. He promises to raise you from the dead and clothe you with immortality. Even if you lose your life to cancer, even if you die in a tragic car accident, Jesus promises to bring you home safe and sound. So friend, when you find yourself on your pilgrimage through this life, looking up to the hills of uncertainty and danger in front of you, and when you find yourself staring at the mountains of trouble in your own life, wondering where your help is going to come from, be reminded by this psalm that your help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He is your keeper. He is your protector. Trust him today. Trust him tomorrow. Trust him forever. He will keep you from this time forth and forevermore. He will bring you safely home. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this wonderful news. There is no other help like you, Father. We know that. We recognize that this morning. And Father, forgive us when we do not live like that. Teach us to look to you for comfort and security. Help us to know that you will bring us home safe and sound when we are facing the most terrible troubles in our life. 
We thank you for Jesus. And we thank you for that he accomplished this on our behalf. And we pray all these things in his name. Amen.